Welcome to the Principles of Success. In today's episode, we are talking about marriage and divorce. So, take this episode and next episode, which is about kids, with a little bit of grain of salt. I have never been married. I've never had a divorce. And I don't have any kids. So I am definitely not talking from experience. But I am talking, I come from a culture where the success rate of marriage is in the high 90s. The national average has officially reached the, of failure, has officially reached the low 90s. Now that stat's a little bit deceptive, but we'll come back to that in a little bit. In my opinion, the most important thing to remember in a marriage is that you have to do regular deposits of love. A committed relationship is like a bank account. You can only be in the negatives for so long before the bank forecloses on you, before you get a divorce. You have to keep your marriage healthy by having regular deposits of love into your marriage account. Now there's the, how do you make the deposits? There's the five love languages. You can spend time. You have to spend, love is spelt T-I-M-E. You have to spend time with the person you love. You have to show them affection. You have to show them physical intimacy, kind words, be kind to your spouse. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's many other valuable things. And just because your spouse is one of the five love languages, going back to the five love languages, doesn't mean don't do all of them. Sure, their love language might be touch. Give them flowers. You don't have to do it all the time, but every once in a while. Regular deposits of love, regular sacrifices for your spouse, just making sure that they feel loved. Every day, at every morning, ask your spouse, what can I do for you today? Your spouse should be your number one priority. Make sure that they feel loved. Next point, every relationship has problems and conflicts. You are not going to live through life without any conflicting opinions. If you think you are, one of you is drastically overbearing and the other one is just biting their tongue. Now, I talked about this in a previous episode. Conflict is unavoidable. Contention is optional. Conflict. You want to go see Super Mario Bros. She wants to go see Scooby-Doo. There's a conflict. That's a stupid thing to have any contention over. And yes, I will admit that within the last two weeks, I've watched... Super Mario Bros. and Scooby-Doo, and I don't have kids, and there was no kids present with the watching of those. So when you have conflict, recognize that you're pulling your heart away. You're starting to get contention. You're getting angry. Restore it quickly before the cement can harden. Humor helps. Conflict is unavoidable. Contention is optional. Figure out ways to eliminate the contention. If you have a little bit of an anger issue, figure out how to get rid of that. And here's the thing. When you're wrong... Admit it immediately. Crow is best eaten warm. Nobody likes admitting when they're wrong. Nobody likes admitting they're wrong 10 minutes after arguing. At that time, you can choose many different four-letter words. If you're starting to get contentious, there's lots of four-letter words that you can choose from. Hopefully, you choose love. Now, what are some antidotes for contention? Keeping the love of God in your heart. Gratitude remembering that you love this person and that you care about this person and that you don't want to actually hurt this person. 
don't destroy your marriage for the sake of being right. You need to cleave unto your spouse. Nothing is more important. Not success, not kids, not even your own personal happiness. And yes, I just said that and I'll let that sink in for a little bit. But you being unhappy is not a legitimate reason for divorce. And we'll come back to that in a bit. Now here's the thing about arguments. Is it a preference or is it a principle? Most arguments happen because of preferences, not principles. Let's take cleaning as an example. Does it really matter how they vacuum? Some people do it the correct way and vacuum in rows. You start on one side of the room and you slowly work your way to the other side of the room, making sure that you get every square inch of that floor. Other people vacuum in star pattern. They stand in the middle of the room and they kind of just send the vacuum out in different directions. Sure, you can argue about which way is the correct way to vacuum. And then you can do your correct way of vacuuming yourself. It doesn't matter how they vacuum. They're vacuuming. Shut up. Same thing with sweeping. Do you sweep from the outside in and create a little pile in the middle of the floor? Or do you sweep from the inside out to the edges and do one long strip at the end? There's more than one way to do things. Um, and last episode, I talked about all the questions that you should ask before you get married. I stressed over and over and over again that these questions didn't have right or wrong answers. These were opinion questions. They were the per personal person's personal opinions on how they felt about that particular question. There is more than one way to do things. Just because you think it has to be done this way doesn't mean that they think it has to be done this way. And quit arguing over preferences. Principles. Argue all you want over principles. Principles are very important. There is no right way to do things when it comes to debt. Stay out of debt. There is no justifiable reason for infidelity. Those are core issues that you should make an argument out of. Not necessarily a contention, but conflict. Preference on how somebody washes the dishes is not something you should be arguing about. Whether he leaves the toilet seat up or down is not something you should be arguing about. Personally, I prefer to put the seat down because I don't want all the bacteria floating up in the air. But it's not something you need to argue about. And now let's backtrack a little bit to every relationship has problems. Actually, no. We'll touch on that in a little bit. I'm not quite ready to move on to that yet. When you get into a disagreement, who are you calling? It better not be your friends. When you call somebody to vent about your disagreement, you should be calling somebody who will defend your spouse, not you. Now, if your friends will do that for you, that's great. But you should not be taking your internal conflict with your spouse, who you've made a covenant with, that you are bonded to, and going to somebody who will take your side and reaffirm every negative thought that you're having about them, so that way you get more angry. No, call one of their friends. Let their friends be like, yeah, he's, he's kind of a jerk, isn't he? But you gotta understand, blah, 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 blah. Now, I don't, this is up to you. You might try calling his mom, depending on what his mom is like. If it's going to blow up because you ratted him out to his mom, don't call his mom. But his mom understands him better than pretty much anyone else on the planet. So when you, you do get into an argument, make sure you look for somebody who will reaffirm your spouse, not you. Let them take your spouse's side. So that way you can see how much of a jerk you were being. Are you going to do this? No, I know you're not going to. I'm not going to either. But it's a good principle to do. 
Another thing to remember is victim stories slash half-truths. A victim story is like, why is he always so mean to me? I don't do anything but to deserve it, even though I was mouthing off to him for about two hours and poking at all of his insecurities because I was grumpy and hadn't eaten. And then half-truths. Like, why can't he ever help around the house? I asked him to do the dishes. I also asked him to take out the trash, sweep, and vacuum, and he did all of those except for the dishes. But he never helps around the house. I asked him to do the dishes, and he didn't do the dishes. And I'm sure those are a poor example of victim stories slash half-truths, but they were what I can come up off of the top of my head. Watch some videos on victim stories and half-truths. Now, let's backtrack to the regular deposits of love. Something very important to remember is his needs, her needs. I can't stress the importance of that book enough. Remember, gentlemen, women feel loved when you show them affection. Yes, listen to their stupid story about Sally can't decide on what color of dress to take to her daughter's bagel reception. Ladies, men's sex drive is like water. Day one, it's not so bad. After three days, it's about all he can think about. If you want to make regular deposits of love into his love account, make sure that one of those is sex. Now, let's backtrack to every relationship has problems. So here's the thing, and this is one of the major... We're starting to shift over to divorce. That's why I waited. Every relationship is going to have problems. For some reason, the grass is greener on the other side has been glorified in the marriage world today. Your spouse is never going to be perfect. You are going to have problems. There's no such thing as your soulmate. And if you think your soulmate exists and then there starts to be problems, you're like, what? This isn't how it's supposed to be. This must not be the one. Every relationship has problems. And all you're going to do by having a divorce because there's problems in your relationship is you're just going to swap those problems out for some new ones, and odds are they're probably going to be worse. They're going to be new, so it won't bug you as much year one, but then it comes along and it starts to bug you a lot. Well, divorce is already on the table. You've already decided to do it once, so might as well do it again. And that is why, going back to the stat at the very beginning, that the divorce rate is 90%. Here's the thing. The first marriage divorce rate is still in the 30s to 50s odds are you are not going to get divorced the, your first marriage. Your second marriage, it jumps up drastically. Third marriage, it's almost guaranteed that you're going to have another divorce. Part of this is you've already decided that divorce is on the table, so when things get hard, then bailing and abandoning your covenants is an option. The second reason is it's you. You haven't fixed what's wrong with you and so you keep getting into all these divorces because you are running away instead of fixing yourself. And I had a third and a fourth, but I'm kind of spacing on what they are right now. Third is parabonding. The more sexual relationships you've had, particularly for women, the easier it is to not be attached to those relationships. So your first marriage, hopefully, it's the only person you've ever had sex with. Second one, you're not as bonded to them as you were with the first one. Third one, same story. And then the fourth reason is there's just so much extra drama with dating a divorcee, especially if kids are in the picture, and drama equates to contention, which equates to, quite oftentimes, conflict, which then turns into bad marriages. I'm sure there's other reasons, but those are the top four that I could think of. But anyway, the stat is, is a little bit deceiving. And personally, 
I will not date a divorcee. Period. No exceptions. Period. It doesn't matter if the husband was a abusive scumbag and she was very much in the right to get out of that relationship. I'm not inter interested in dealing with the drama that comes, or the trauma, not drama, trauma that comes from a divorce. I'm just not doing it. I'm especially not dating a girl with kids. It's just period. It's at, they're out. I think I've talked about that in previous episodes, that most guys with choices will not date women with kids. Period. Now, gentlemen, I know you've heard the stats that it's up to 80% now, that 80% of women are the one, or of divorces are initiated by women. That is a very true statement. Unfortunately, a lot of that is because we as a culture have bought into the lie that marriage is supposed to be all about happiness. And how do I say this without coming across? Absolutely terrible. Women, you're very easy to make not happy for extended periods of time. And because we've all bought into the lie that marriage is only supposed to be about happiness, when you get unhappy, what are you supposed to do? Well, obviously, if you're unhappy, the marriage isn't working out, you should leave. Because here's the thing, if marriage is only supposed to be about being happy, what happens when it's not? What happens when all hell breaks loose? Are you going to bail? The answer is, for the mo most part in today's age, yes. There's very little selflessness in the world today. And gentlemen, that begs the question, is marriage worth it? If the success rate of even first marriages are in the less than 50-50 chances, or about 50-50 chances, and you're not the ones that are initiating the divorces, and then everything legally legal-wise is pitted against you, is getting married worth it? Absolutely. The fact that you are listening to this podcast means that you are probably cut from a different cloth than 99% of people. Your marriage is not going to fail, especially if you're making sure to give regular deposits of love. And here's the important thing about the marriage covenant. You are promising this person that no matter what, you will be there for each other. The thing with the moving in with somebody, even when you're not married is you're sending the message, consciously or subconsciously, that you're the best I can do right now. I have my foot out the door just in case. We have no ties. We're not locked in. It won't be extremely difficult to get out of this. So I have one foot out the door, but you're the best I can do right now. So let's live together, have kids, be each other's companion, but I am not committing to you unequivoc unequivocally. And that begs the question of, and this gets into a little bit of politics, but I don't believe in no-fault divorces. I think they should be illegal. If you are going to go through the effort of getting married, marriage is not supposed to be an easy break-off. It's a commitment. You're making a contract. Imagine if you were doing a business contract, and at the bottom of it, the contract said, at any point in time, we can rip this contract up and say, screw you. That wouldn't be a very logical contract. Which begs the next question. Prenups, they're pointless, don't, don't really bother with them. Prenups very rarely are held up. And I don't agree with this statement, but like my mom's opinion of it is um, you're planning on the marriage to fail. If prenups actually were upheld, I'd say go ahead, but they're not. So don't, don't worry about it and don't bring it up because it tends to make 
girls feel a little squirrely, like you don't trust them for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe the 70-80% stat gives men pause. Now, I am not completely against divorce. There is a couple of instances that I feel that divorce is, is okay. And biblically, there is four instances that divorce is okay. The first one is infidelity, them cheating on you. That's not something that is okay. It's a complete betrayal of your trust. It's a complete betrayal of loyalty. You're okay to divorce that person. You're also okay to forgive them, but you're okay to divorce that person. The next one is abandonment. You're okay to divorce somebody if they leave you. And then the final two are physical and emotional neglect or abuse. So let's talk about abuse. If they're physically abusing you, if they're emotionally abusing you, you're okay to divorce them. You should divorce them. Absolutely, you should be divorcing them. But the neglect part is just as important. Gentlemen, if you are in a sexless marriage, it is absolutely okay to divorce them. Ladies, if you are in, in a loveless marriage, it is absolutely okay to divorce them. If Now, if they're not meeting all of your needs, not because they're not trying, but because people can't meet all of your needs, that's not the same thing as neglect. Neglect is, I don't care. I don't want to. But those are the four reasons that, biblically at least, I'm sure that you might find a couple of extra ones, or maybe you might disagree with those four, but the four biblical reasons that it's perfectly okay and that you should divorce somebody is them cheating on you, them abandoning you, or them neglecting or abusing you physically, neglecting or abusing you emotionally. And legally, I wish those were the only four that you were allowed to divorce somebody. Because again, divorce isn't about happiness. You're not supposed to be happy 24-7. We're going to cover that a whole lot more next year. That's why I changed the principle from the principles of happiness to the principles of fulfillment. You're not supposed to be happy 24-7. And you're not always going to be happy with your spouse. Work through it. Figure it out. So my final point for today's episode is the four horsemen of divorce. You have a 7% chance of success if you're not working on these four. The first one is criticism, attacking them personally, attacking their character rather than a specific behavior. You Phrases like you always, you never, those are criticisms. Instead, you should be saying stuff like it bothers me that you haven't taken out the trash and you said you would versus you never help me around the house. Ladies, 75% of criticizers in marriage are women. Nobody likes being criticized, and they're going to resent you for criticizing them. So if you are highly critical, if you're always criticizing your spouse, you're probably going to get a divorce. Number two, contempt. When contempt is in a marriage, you are guaranteed divorce. Signs of contempt eye-rolling, sneering, tearing them down, blatant disrespect. Oh, you're tired? Cry me a river. I've been dealing with kids all day. I don't have time for another. You know what contempt is. If you are being contemptual with your spouse, you're going to get a divorce. Period. Number three, defensiveness. Defending from a perceived attack. Lots of tension there. They're, they barely rarely admit when they're wrong. Um, when you're being defensive, you're blaming them. Well, if you had done this, I wouldn't be acting like this. Well, if you weren't so angry at me, 
I wouldn't be doing this. Gentlemen, mo most of you are defensive. Work on it, otherwise you're going to get a divorce. Number four, stonewalling. This is a withdrawal, looking away, shutting down, stopping speaking, stopping speaking. The blank expression, sounds great, whatever. Yeah, I don't care, cool. Or simply, the silent treatment. Now, both genders are very guilty of all four. Women, you tend to be way too critical. You also tend to have a bad, bad habit of stonewalling, the silent treatment. He can't tell, if you can't tell me why you should be sorry, then I'm not forgiving you. Men, you tend to have the other two problems predominantly. Contempt. Ugh, these women. Or you tend, that, or you tend to be defensive. I'm like, why do you have to be so emotional? Maybe because you're being a jerk. So those are the four horsemen of divorce. Work on them. If you are not constantly, and all, work on all four. If you are not constantly, actively making sure to work on these, you're probably going to get a divorce. So that's it for my insights on marriage. Again, I'm not married, so take it with a bit of a grain of salt. But I do come from a culture where marriage success is almost guaranteed. So maybe I do know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Anyway, with that, we'll talk about kids next week, and I will see you all next week.